0: This is The Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller.
1: Welcome to The Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. Today, we have somebody so special, a leader in the management business, a friend, a real pro, Michael Rogoff, he is the president of ACAM Associates. ACAM manages 400 New York buildings, 470 in South Florida. We have so many questions about management and we want to know how he does what he does to keep these buildings going. Michael, tell us. Thank you for coming to my show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Suzanne. Property management, it means a lot of work. That's what it means. So in New York, it's four hundred buildings. That's over seventy thousand apartments. Did so. I hear that right? Four hundred buildings. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, no, that's, it's. You're my hero. <laughs> it's a lot. We're celebrating our fortieth year. We were founded in 1983, so it's been it's been growth little by little, just organic, word of mouth referral. Condos, co ops, HOAs, and now it's, yeah, it's over 400 buildings. So, what does that mean when you say you manage a
1: building? Do you just take us through what that means and how does somebody select a management company?
0: Sure. So, we do a little bit of everything. When we're hired to manage a building, the board is essentially putting us in a position to run every aspect of that property. So we will oversee the staff, the superintendent, the doormen, the porters, the concierge. We do staff management, we do financial management, we do code compliance, maintenance, physical plant. We handle all communication, letters, notices. If an owner wants to renovate their apartment, if the owner wants to schedule delivery, have guests, it all goes through us. And we get involved in the sales and lease application process when someone's purchasing. It all goes through us. So, so really, just every aspect. Except for the brokerage part. So, you're doing so all... Brokerage is separate. Yeah. So, you're doing the thankless part. Does
1: anybody, <laughs> does anybody tell you what a great job you did by taking their mail or no, hand in no, the
0: order? No, that never happens. And all the shows about you know selling New York and all these glamorous TV shows, they're all about brokerage. <laughs> they're all about selling the, the, the penthouse or the multi-million dollar apartment. No one wants to hear about the person writing a memo because of a noise complaint, or the temperature in someone's apartment was just right. It's always too hot or too cold. So, yeah, you could say it's a thankless job, but it's a very important job. It is very important. It needs to be done. And we actually have a very large impact in quality of life for the people who live in the buildings and increasing investment value through just a fiscally prudent responsible building that's well run with a good capital plan with healthy common charges and maintenance to pay for all those services it's a lot more important than people think again it's it's not the glamorous aspect of mm-hmm. real estate but it's what makes these buildings run. So it's very important. So if I'm
1: a, you said the board selects you. I guess some buildings, if there's no board, it's a rental building. The landlord will select you, correct? Correct. So somebody's got to select you. <laughs> That's that correct. Now, how do they go we about We don't just show up. How do they go about that? What makes a board pick somebody? Is it just reputation? Do they meet with you? How do they decide who is going to such a big, important job? How do they decide who to hire?
0: Sure. So in a typical condo co-op or HOA, you have a board, which is really a group of unit owners who are elected. Generally, it's at an annual meeting to make the decisions for a property. Most of them are not real estate experts, so they hire a property, a professional property management company to run all the aspects of the building. We have grown completely organically, so we always get introduced to boards through word of mouth referral, either through success in a neighboring property. Or from a professional or someone who used to live in our building who moved to another building in New York or moved to a building in Florida and they said, Hey, ACAM Property Management's doing a good job. Why don't we consider them for our management service provider in our building? Unfortunately, property management doesn't have the best reputation. It's been an industry for decades that. Has been dominated by mediocrity or even worse, and corruption. sometimes corru- yeah, corruption, malfeasance. A lot of that took place during when properties were converted mm-hmm. and property management, it wasn't as structured or professionalized as it is now. So we've really put together a suite of services and generated a reputation. For doing the right thing by all of our clients, again, helping improve quality of life, increase investment value. So a lot of times it's word of mouth referral that gets so, us to these buildings.
1: So I guess what's going to be important to whether it's a management person that's hiring you or a board, they're always looking for the bottom line, right? So that how, is important. So yes. how do you come in and show a building? Give us an example why we would hire somebody like ACAM. How are you going to save us money? Just give us like an example of Do you look at the infrastructure of a building before you take it on? Do you look at the way the real estate taxes? Tell us something specific why I, as a board member, would want to hire somebody, a different management agent to save the building money.
0: Sure. It can be all of the above. And service levels are also very important. Cost savings is paramount to what we do. This is a partnership we form with the buildings and the boards that we work with. And fiscally responsible and well-run building will translate into higher sales value, but so will higher service. So, they're both equally important when it comes to managing the bottom line. You know, we have a whole team of professionals that will do everything from review the service and maintenance contracts in the building. A lot of times we come in and find that, you know, just because a prior management company wasn't challenging the contractor, you know, you have a, a service provider that's been doing, you know, five, 6% increases every year. Wow. And no one's ever challenged it. So we'll come in and say, hey, for the exact same level of service or even better, you can save. 20 25% just by bidding out and bringing in qualified professionals to perform that work. We've seen, you know, these very large capital improvement projects. You walk through New York, you see scaffolding yeah. all the time. So there's these huge exterior jobs. If they're mismanaged, you're talking hundreds, if not even millions of dollars that could be misspent. you talk about the Local Law 10 where the bricks could be a little loose and they have to go in every
1: year and put scaffolding up and secure them, and it costs the buildings millions of dollars? Exactly right.
0: That's why you see the scaffolding all through New York City. It's it's now Local Law 11, used to be Local Law 10, and every five years, every building over five stories. Is required to inspect all their brickwork facade to make sure that nothing is loose. It's it's a safety precaution. So it's it's a very big cycle, and yeah, again, if these are mismanaged or not bid out the right way, Mm -hmm. apples to apples bid specifications are very important. Sealed bidding procedures, you know, the costs can you can experience a lot of cost overruns, a lot of change orders and that could hurt the bottom line. Staffing, sometimes we come into a building and we find that they're overstaffed. Is it
1: hard to find staff? I mean, there's such a labor shortage.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been a challenging labor market ever since COVID, but especially in New York, most of the staff positions in buildings are part of a union, either 32BJ, which is the largest union, or some other very big unions. The union plans come with you know pretty good salaries and very extensive benefits. So we generally have you know people who are looking for those people want that security. Yeah.
1: So tell us, Michael, the difference between managing a building in New York. Most of it is New York City, I would imagine. Some probably in Brooklyn and Queens.
0: Yeah, we're mainly Manhattan, Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. Queens, Riverdale. I would say about ninety percent of our portfolio is in Manhattan.
1: And compared to Florida, like South Florida is booming right now. So how do you see the managing a building here versus there? What are the advantages and It's warmer
0: in Florida. That's <laughs> the, that's the biggest difference. Um, Do people
1: want to work because they go or at the beach?
0: Are yeah. they at the beach? <laughs> There's a lot of similarities. You know, running a building professionally is running a building professionally, whether you're in New York, Florida, or really any other geography. There's some you know core competencies and specific metrics that really translate well no matter where you are. Florida's a little different in that, you know, there's local code compliance. You know, New York, it's never-ending. So, Florida's similar in that you have Florida statutes. So, there's certain things that you have to do by law in Florida that you may not have to do in New York. So it's easier? And vice versa. I wouldn't say it's easier, and I would never really describe property management as easy. Well, I mean, less politics. No, it's it, they have their share of politics. It's mm-hmm. just different. I see. The biggest thing in Florida versus New York is in New York the employees are all employees of the building. So if a management company changes, you keep all your staff, you keep your doorman, you keep your superintendent. In Florida, they're actually employees of the management company. So when we take over a property, we have to find doormen, we have to find a chief engineer, and we have to change the staff. Some of our properties have staff of 30, 40, 50 employees. So it becomes a big deal to take over a building and then staff the building. It's a big job. So I try and make this podcast fun. Okay. So let's have you, some fun. So,
1: so tell us, if you can, yeah, like a real life example of something that you found so outrageous in managing a building. Did you was it the the building had to be torn down or tell us one example of where it was very challenging for you in this management
0: business? I don't know what I can and cannot say on this so podcast, but to. as you can imagine. <laughs> Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We see a lot of stories. Unfortunately, as I'm sure you and a lot of other people have heard, the building collapsed down in Florida about a year ago. Surfside. Uh, Cham- yeah, Champlain Towers. That was a very unfortunate, tragic event. Did you manage that building? No, no, we did not. They were actually self managed. Okay. So they did not have a professional management company working with them, they were run by the board themselves. Mm -hmm. That's been a real wake up call to the industry in just ensuring. And, you know, this took place in Florida, but this had ripple effects throughout the entire country where everyone just wants to make sure that buildings are structurally sound. In Florida there's something called a 40-year recertification which is a more extensive version of the local law 11 that New York does every 5 years. Wow. So just really making sure that that safety becomes paramount. It's not about just saving money and deferring maintenance. Everyone needs to do the right thing and that's really affected the insurance market. And I, I think people are seeing that on a property level. I bet homeowners even see that with their homeowners insurance. But insurance rates have been skyrocketing, not specifically because of the event at Surfside, but just in general, you know, losses and claims are going up. But we have stories. I mean, you can imagine we've. There are things that happen and there are cameras throughout the building. So Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. So we've seen we've seen things in elevators, we've seen things in public spaces. You can imagine what I'm talking about.
1: So I would imagine because you manage so many buildings, you mentioned insurance, so do you get a better rate because If we hire, if a building hires ACAM, are they going to get a better rate because of your buying power in the insurance in all these industries?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. When it comes down to insurance, energy, or even just buying supplies like garbage bags and light bulbs, and believe me, they add up, we have purchasing power behind us. So, you know, we're not purchasing for one individual building, we're purchasing for hundreds and tens of thousands of units so we can definitely get better pricing than what just one property or one individual could get off the street.
1: I am very interested in the energy part. Yes. So I understand now we have to a lot of these buildings have to change to LED and, light, and shut the lights off when they walk through one room versus yeah. another. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so energy is, you know, one of the hot topics or the buzzwords that you hear now specifically in New York City. There's what's called the Climate Mobilization Act and you'll hear things like local law ninety seven, local law eighty four, local law eighty seven. Go yeah. <laughs> They're all related to energy and now in buildings in New York City are required to post an energy letter grade. Just like the restaurants were required to do about five to ten years ago, so you see buildings with A ratings, B ratings, C ratings, even D ratings, because the city requires all buildings to actually post it. What happens if I entrance. get a D
1: rating? What happens to the so?
0: It, it's nothing. It doesn't. It's not like a restaurant where oh my god, I'll never eat here. There's probably rats all over the place. It's just a formula that the city came up with to benchmark carbon emissions per square footage in buildings. That's the simplest way. What about way.
1: financing? Will the bank not lend if you have a D?
0: No, it's just scary. You know, no one no one likes to see a D rating in their building. It doesn't feel good. You go back to grade school, you think about getting a D on an essay. That's not good. But it really doesn't translate into anything more than this building is less efficient compared to peer buildings it doesn't mean the building is, is poorly run it doesn't mean that you know the building is dangerous or you know it, there's not clean air in the building it's just how it compares to its peers and this is a relatively new system and it's very hard to change a building that's already been built you know some of these buildings were built in the 50s 60s we have pre-war buildings if they weren't built energy efficient at the time, What are you really supposed to do? So, you're saying there's no consequences? No, there are consequences. Other than a letter grade. No, yeah. So, no, there are consequences. Starting in 2025 and then 2030, the city is implementing fines for buildings that have higher carbon emissions than a certain established threshold. What kind of fines? They could be substantial. So, starting in 2025, it's kind of a slap on the wrist. Most buildings Qualify where they do not have fines, but some have small fines. When you get to 2030, we have some buildings that we've seen where it could be a couple hundred thousand a year. Oh my goodness. And it's basically the city trying to say, you know, reduce your carbon footprint or you're going to pay for it anyway.
1: So we all have to
0: button up and do that.
1: We don't want to be fined or get a D.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely been a topic of discussion for a lot of boards to look at energy. And we have an energy team that works for us at ACAM. So we help buildings talk about, you know, the specific projects that they could take on that have a good return on investment. You know, because you hear some crazy things from time to time, like, can't we just put solar panels all over the building or I hear about wind turbines? Can we put a huge wind turbine on the roof? I mean, there are some projects that are better better than others. Obviously, a skyscraper in New York City with a ten story wind turbine sitting on top of it is not going to be practical. Also, buildings that are very tall with small surface area on the roof are not the best candidates for solar panels. But we explore all these options with buildings. Sometimes it comes down to simple things like insulating pipes, or installing an upgraded heat timer so your boiler doesn't run constantly, or take the hot water system off of the boiler so it's a separate system and the boiler doesn't have to run to heat the hot water.
1: So somebody from the city is going to come inspect these buildings?
0: How do they measure this? So, the buildings are required to report the data. Oh, self reporting. So, that's local law 84 is a benchmarking local law, which requires all buildings on an annual basis to report their data to the city. Interesting. So, all buildings have been pushed to do that. And then the city takes the data, puts it into a formula, which is based on square footage and a lot of other things. And that's what comes up with a, a numeric output, which then translates into a letter grade. So I guess we have to hire some more city workers. <laughs> <laughs> we city, don't have enough of those. The city, not, listen, nothing against the city. Certainly not going to make this political. But the city is always looking for money where they can. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to go away. The city has a budget to balance. And so energy violations, code compliance, they're not going away. Got it. So, when you're looking at the nation, and right now you said you're in New
1: York, 400 buildings, and 70 in Florida, South Florida, where do you see growth and what other locations are you looking at?
0: So, we've been expanding naturally. Again, all of our growth has been organic. So, there's neighboring geographies that would probably be most attractive to us. You know, we're in New York, so New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, you know, the tri state area would make a lot of sense. Florida is a very big state, we have a great presence. On the Southeast coast, really the Tri Counties, Fisher Island, Miami, up to West Palm Beach. We like to expand further north, further west. And then there's great areas nearby, you know, Georgia, Atlanta. And then we're looking, you know, longer term down the road, places like Chicago, Texas, California, you know, any major metropolitan area. That has a lot of condos, co ops, HOAs, residential properties, large complexes. I think we can be very successful with what we've already accomplished in New York and Florida. But we're not trying to be the biggest, we're trying to be the best. So if we go there organically, that's great, but we're not in a rush to necessarily expand and take over the world. We want to do a very good job. So, last question.
1: Tell us about how challenging it was to sum it up during the COVID days and you having nobody come to work, or you had to have the doormen that weren't allowed to come into the city. How did that all work? And how did you how could you tell us that how you
0: survived that? <laughs> COVID turned our lives and a lot of lives and a lot of industries upside down. So again, property management was not the most tech savvy industry and a lot of these board meetings took place at the buildings in the evenings, physically going to the buildings. That couldn't happen during COVID. Thank you, Zoom. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on our show, and keep doing the great job that you're doing, and I hope you expand, and congratulations. It's my pleasure. Thank you so
0: much for having me, Suzanne. This was great. Okay, bye.